Hello and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Joy. On today's episode, we talked with author Heidi Chevaroli. She's the author of the new novel, Freedom's Ring. The novel Freedom's Ring includes a story about the Boston Massacre alongside the story of the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013. It's a really interesting take on both stories, and Heidi actually lives near the Boston area and has some first account experience with what she writes about. Yes, so you should definitely check out her blog at her website, HeidiChevroli.com, where she has a lot of research and pictures and uh, information about her books. So uh, please enjoy this interview, and if you want to buy her book, check out Tyndale.com. Heidi, thanks so much for spending time with us on the show. We're really happy to have you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So Heidi, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us about how you became a writer and a little bit about your publishing journey. Sure, sure. Um, so I always like to write. I think I wrote my first book in third grade. It was called I Crossed the Desert for Milk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, but as I um, kind of, you know, went through um, school, I, I, I kind of put the writing aside. Uh, I came back to it when I was a stay-at-home mom with my kids, and I really um, was reading a lot then and just inspired by a lot of Christian fiction that I was reading. So I started writing when, you know, my sons were really small during their nap times and I kind of kept it like the secret thing. I didn't even like tell my husband because I just felt a little foolish. I didn't really trust that this is where God, you know, was leading me. Um, finally, I got up the courage to enter uh, the Genesis Contest, which was ACFW's contest for unpublished writers. And that was in 2006. So. I got really horrible scores from that, and I got really <laughs> discouraged. Um, and I got a no response um, query for um, not no response query, sorry, a no response from an agent targeted query. And those two things just kind of discouraged me, and I put it aside for a while. But God just kept pulling me back; like I couldn't imagine not writing. And um, so I joined a critique group. I figured, you know, if I don't have this natural talent that I would just work really hard at it and um, <laughs> try to get better. I eventually won a scholarship to ACFW's conference in 2010 and that was a big deal and it really encouraged me. Eventually in 2014 I won the ACFW oh. Genesis contest in the historical category. So that was eight years after I first entered it. Wow. And that kind of helped me, you know, um, land an agent and you know this is manuscript freedoms ring is manuscript number six so wow. <laughs> actually the agent that I have was the person I initially sent that first query to so it was really cool how God kind of you know just worked that out mm -hmm. yeah so um, I tell the story sometimes of um, the day I found out that Tyndale offered me a contract <laughs> I was um, working in a garden center down the street actually and my husband got word from my agent um, through a message on our home phone so he came down with my boys and 
to let me know and I I was just so surprised you know I kind of like almost like fainted into the petunias <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cool so so really special uh-huh especially Heidi since it really marked a journey for you you were able to contrast the beginning of it to the end with the same measurement the same absolutely. contest that is really neat absolutely yeah it, it is it was so cool I mean I never would have kind of you know, thought this journey at the beginning would end up like this. But looking back, it's just so cool how God really, his hand was on it the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I'm impressed and it shows your dedication that you gave up your children's nap time to work on writing. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people would take that time to nap for themselves. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> oh. So Heidi, you one of the things we observed on your blog was that you really love to research, that that is something that inspires you, that gives you yeah. motivation to pick your topics. So your upcoming book is called Freedom's Ring, and yeah. that um, comes out this month actually in August. And I'm wondering if you could give some background for our listeners of what the book's about, and then a little bit about your research journey. Sure, yeah. So Freedom's Ring is about a woman who's in the Boston Marathon bombing, and she's left with an antique ring from a mysterious savior. And after she finally finds him, they unearth the 200-year-old history of a woman who suffered tremendous loss in the Boston Massacre, a woman who is torn between the love of two men. One is a patriot, and one's a red coat. So the story goes back and forth between Annie, um, the contemporary heroine, who is wondering, you know, how she will ever get past the bombing and the subsequent choices she's made to separate herself from her family. Mm -hmm. And Liberty, who is my historical heroine, who's wondering um, how she'll ever get past the death of her brother in the Boston Massacre and the subsequent choices she's made in stealing a ring from a man who's shown her nothing but kindness. Um, so, you know, although they live centuries apart, they're bound not only by this ring, but by their shared struggle of living in a fear that, you know, God doesn't intend for us to live in. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I know I'm talking with my hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, as far as the research, I do love research. Um, I... I got every single book, my poor librarians, I'd come in with like bags to get all the books that I had on hold. Um, I read everything nonfiction I could about Boston, Colonial Boston um, and Lexington, Boston Massacre, um, anything I could get my hands on, blogs. I also read a lot of fiction during that time that I was writing just to really put myself in that place. Um, I also, let's see, I went to the reenactments, the Lexington has an awesome reenactment, that was fun, and my kids, my kids liked that, and my husband liked it too. Um, I went to the New England Historical Genealogical Society and talked to some chief genealogists there, because I had never done my own genealogical research, so I really had to, you know, get my facts straight on that, so they were an amazing help. 
Mm-hmm. It's really convenient that you live where you do. <laughs> that you're in Massachusetts. <laughs> I can't um, really pick up and go to England right now, so it's yeah. really. And I just love the the history that's around Massachusetts. Anyway, it's just so rich. I love it. So absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we've talked to a few authors recently who've taken some amazing research trips uh, to England or Ireland. So maybe that's down the road. For you. That, you can, that was cool. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> uh-huh. Was there anything you um, discovered as you were researching? Like, I had this experience when I watched the John Adams uh, miniseries on HBO where I didn't realize that he was the lawyer for the, yes. the, the Redcoats. And I that led me to research more about Boston Massacre, and I learned things I never knew. Were, they, were, were there more things like that that you learned as oh, you were researching absolutely. that you, you never knew? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just, I think exploring more of the British side, I think um, sometimes maybe being an American growing up and learning about it, I kind of didn't really think of the British side. You know, the British soldiers, they were pretty miserable in Boston and they were treated not very well by the locals. Um Not that I'm saying, you know, <laughs> that they were right in some of what they did. But um, that was a side that kind of, it shouldn't have surprised me, I guess, but it kind of helped me to think more about the story and what was really going on then. Um, You know, the colonists actually started the massacre. That was another thing that kind of surprised me. You know, a lot of it was just young boys of the town who were just kind of, you know, looking for trouble, and it would escalate and make this whole, you know, mob... um, come alive because the tensions were just so tight in Boston at that time and it didn't take much for things to really escalate. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, Paul Revere, I, I think of his engraving, when I when I first started researching the massacre, um, I just kind of had this hazy image of his engraving in my mind and it just shows, you know, the most formidable army in the world at that time firing into this innocent looking crowd. And I think that's kind of what I thought really happened in my mind for a while until I researched and found out that, you know, this was political propaganda. (laughs) This was not real historical fact. And um, the colonists were just, they were being pretty nasty that night. They were throwing snow and ice at the soldiers. They're calling names at them. Um, They're daring them to fire. So... They're, they're really looking for a fight, and, you know, they do get it. And, of course, John Adams defending the soldiers was something else I hadn't realized either. And that HBO miniseries, that is so, so well done. So mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, were, were you living in the Boston area or in Massachusetts in 2013 when the marathon bombing happened? Yes, yes. I grew, I grew up in the town over from where I live now. Okay. Which is yeah, so it's about an hour south of Boston. Okay. So we're not that far, and I had some, you know, I had known some people who had, were running in the marathon and stuff at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What What was the mood around that during that time period? I know we got most of our information from just the news stories, but what was it like to to live in that area? Sure. Well, for me, anyway. Um, I was really gripped by fear, and I think that's one of the reasons that propelled me to write this story. Um, 
you know, we were an hour south of Boston where I live. And then, you know, one of the bombers went to college, not, I think a half an, yeah, half an hour east of where I live. So you just hear all this news and you're like, really? That's, that's so close. It's right in our backyard. And like, just realizing that anything can happen, you know, me and my family, my community, we're not an exception to evil, you know, anything could happen. And I think mm -hmm. that really put fear in me. Um, just as an example, there was um, a tax assessor who came to our door in the days following the bombing when one of the bombers was still on the loose. And, uh, you know, I have all these pictures on the news going through my mind and I just glimpsed out the front door and saw his young face, his dark hair and a black and white baseball cap. And I grabbed my kids, grabbed the phone and ran into their room and hid and called the police. And so not long after, the police were in my backyard, guns drawn, searching my shed. Oh. <laughs> I know wow. it sounds crazy. But, you know, I was just so filled with fear at that time, and I really did feel foolish when I realized who really stood at my door. But I was also able to explore this fear in the writing of this story and kind of, you know, work out many of my struggles through this story. So it really that does have a special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. And that's really neat, Heidi, the way you wrote the the book is a time slip novel, so you, you're comparing the two. What is, how would you define time slip and what is the attraction for you as a writer? Sure. Um, to me, time slip is two stories, um, usually one in the past and um, one in the present, told alongside each other but with an important connection point. Um, so they do make one story. I don't think either would really be complete and full without the other one. Um, my, sorry, what was your other question? <laughs> Why do you like to write it? What, what attracts you to the genre? I love it because um, I love the past. I've always loved history. I've written just plain historicals um, in the past. and. This is just special because it really helps connect us to the past in a tangible way. Like we don't often think how the past can directly affect us, but this type of story really illuminates that. And um, in a tangible way, we can't always know how the future will be affected by, by our choices, but we can in this type of story, we get that picture, so. Mm -hmm. That's really neat. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about um, when you were first coming up with the idea for this, did you um, start with kind of the themes you wanted to touch on and fit the story around that? Or did you have the plot in mind or the characters? How did that come about? I didn't think of the theme right away. Um, I didn't realize I was going to be working out some of my own struggles through it until <laughs> they kind of appeared in the story. <laughs> um, I was just kind of drawn to these two women who, even though they live hundreds of years apart, they were struggling with very similar things. Uh, so the theme definitely revolved around them and um, you know, as I as I went on, it kind of fleshed itself out, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's really neat to see how our own our own spiritual journey can be reflected in what we write. I like to journal, and I just I look back at 
several of mine over the years and just see how it's a record of God's faithfulness, really. And it's neat when you can bring resolution to a story and that that can give you encouragement for your own journey because we all know that life isn't as neat as a 300-page novel. You know, it doesn't always work like that. Absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, Heidi, shifting a little bit to your author platform, you speak and you hold seminars and Specifically, it looks like you speak to women um, often. So what's that like? What's on your heart to share with people? Sure. Well, actually, speaking is somewhat of a new thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I have been blessed to speak some, and um, it's been to mops groups, um, mm-hmm. doing Bible studies at churches, um, you know, just uh, speaking, a lot of times I think it's going to be with this book going forward, tying the themes to um, to my speaking and, um, you know, yeah. hopefully sharing God's truth in that manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It looks like grace and um, showing people who God made them to be are a couple of those themes that Absolutely. we found on your blog, which is really neat. I, I would guess that these characters are good examples of that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a major thing that helped me overcome my fear. Just realizing how God is in control, even when we can't see it and um, how he has conquered our fear and won the ultimate victory, you know, when he Mm -hmm. rose from the grave and he's got everything in his hand and I don't need to be obsessed about the what ifs and all that, you know, he's going to work it out. Absolutely. Amen to that. (laughs) We have a lot of aspiring writers that listen to our show. And like you said earlier, you spent a lot of um, time writing stuff that didn't get published or um, working towards these uh, contests and uh, conferences. Uh, What advice would you have to somebody who was like you back in 2010 Um, Mm -hmm. and they're just getting started and they're not sure where to go from there. Sure. Um, I think connecting with other writers was a big help for me um, because not only did I learn from them, but they encouraged me when I maybe would have given up. Um, I just value my critique partner so much. Um, Also, you know, just persevering. I know it sounds maybe simple and trite, but really, if you're serious about it and you're going to take yourself seriously, then it's going to, you know, when you have failure, it's going to happen. Just keep going. But, um, you know, and reading and writing a ton and not being scared to let your own voice come through and write what really is on your heart. And then if it's not for the market, maybe, you know, honing it to (laughs) somehow you know, <laughs> be for the market, but never lose what your passion is, you know, mm-hmm. really stick with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Heidi, it your bio says that you're a runner. I love to run too. I'm training for a triathlon right now. And I would assume that there's probably crossover themes with both riding and running, oh, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One being that perseverance aspect. Yeah. Uh-huh. It hurts running hurts especially long distance and it's just pushing forward towards that finish line 
Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true a lot with our faith. We go through struggles, um, but we just got to keep our eyes on Jesus and keep reaching for that prize. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right, Heidi. Well, you're an inspiration. I mean, for a woman to be a wife and a mother, a professional writer, an avid runner, a speaker, I mean, that's a lot. So, oh, thank well you. Thank you. I don't always handle it all well, but oh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Awesome. Well, if, if people want to learn more about you or connect with you on- online, where's the best place to go? Sure. It's um, my website, which is actually HeidiChevaroli.com, and maybe I should spell that out. <laughs> um, it's H-E-I-D-I-C-H-I-A-V, as in Victor, A-R-O-L-I.com. Perfect. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is, but there you have, you know, an about you page and research, your blog, and then of course more about Freedom's Ring. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's great, Heidi. Thank you so much again for sharing your journey. Yeah. You, I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Bye.